Welcome to Christian Faith Center. We're a church that meets in multiple locations. If you'd like to know more about our church, just head to our website, experiencecfc.com. Thanks for joining us. All right, friends, how you doing? All right. You guys are rowdy in here today. I like it. We got a lot to be excited about. God is good. Come on. And, uh, and He does good things. I'm, I'm excited to be with you and uh, so excited to have my wife back with me this Sunday. Amen. The shopping damage was minimal. I survived it. Um, but it is so good to be in God's house with you. And uh, a couple quick things uh, before I jump into the message. Our youth pastor, Pastor Josh Gonzalez, is in the house today. And we're so thankful for what God's doing in his life. And uh, if we have any of our ministers, our pastors around Josh, can we just lay hands on him really quick? And I just thought it'd be great. Uh, Pastor Josh went through a massive surgery and is meeting with the oncologist and facing a battle with cancer. And we just want to proclaim over his life. Pastor Monty, some of our other pastors, if you just lay hands on him quickly. I just want our church to have an opportunity to pray over Pastor Josh. And the victory that you've already seen will be the victory you walk in through the rest of this battle. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we come to you together as the very family of God. And, Lord, your word says where two or more agree for anything on earth, it shall be done for us by our Father in heaven. And so, Lord, we know you're not just a God that forgives sin. You are a God that heals sickness and disease. And so we pray the supernatural touch of God over Pastor Josh. We pray for his family. We pray recovery over his life in the name of Jesus. May his story and battle be a great example of the very grace and power of God that is so at work in the world today. We believe you for this, and we stand together for healing and for victory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome, awesome. Hey, Chels, while you're there, will you grab those flowers and that card? And will you hand those to Pastor Kelly? Today is her birthday. And Mama Sears, we love you so much. And I've seen you give out 4,000 dozen bouquets of roses in the last 20 years. You raised me better than to not have flowers for you. So love you very much. So thankful for you and Pastor Monty, our legacy pastors. I'm so thankful for them. Once you grab your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 15 today. I've got a message that I'm so excited about, and I can't wait. I can't wait to get this in your hearts. Luke chapter 15, um, I, I believe this message is extra important today because not only does it represent the heartbeat of the church, the heartbeat of our church, but it represents the heartbeat of Jesus. And I don't know about you, but if I want my life to look like anyone, I want my life to look like Jesus. I'm thankful for leaders. I'm thankful for examples. But I mean, no, Jesus is our ultimate example and our ultimate shepherd and leader. And so if I want my life and my heart and the way that my life makes an impact to look like anyone, I want it to be like Jesus. And so I want to introduce you to a very important story in Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 4. We'll read 4 through 7 together, and then we're going to pray. But my prayer is that this story gets deep down into your heart and not just shapes your day, but I hope it shapes your perspective and understanding of God's heart toward you and God's heart for you. 
So let's read together. Luke 15, starting in verse 4, Jesus begins telling a story, and He says this, If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the ninety-nine others in the wilderness to go search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will rejoice, excuse me, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. And when he arrives, he will call his friends and his neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. Now listen to this. In the same way, there is more joy. Everybody say more joy. There is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Would you pray with me? And let's ask the Lord to speak to our hearts today through His Word. Father, we love You and we thank You that Your Word is powerful, that it's alive, that it was given for our, the, the building up of our lives that we might look more like Jesus So, Lord, prepare our hearts today that we would catch everything you have for us, whether here in person or whether they're joining us through the online family. I pray the Word of God would find a place to land and impact the lives of people in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 You know, this is such a powerful passage. Um, most people, even if they're not church folk, if you're here today and you're not, you're not even a church person, you're not a Bible person. You probably have heard the adage, the the one who strayed and the 99 who stayed. Like, it's it's pretty much out there. And what's interesting is I think most of us, and this is, let me just sidetrack for just a second because I think this is important. There are a lot of people who look at the America today and they say, wow, America is the farthest thing from a Christian nation. And I'm not saying America... I'm not saying that its heart beats with the very message in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not saying we don't have issues. I'm not saying that we're not struggling through things and that what we do now isn't important. But what I would proclaim to you today is that America has been influenced, shaped, and impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ more than most people will ever know. Let me prove it to you. The very reality is most people in America when we ask if God loves them, would fundamentally know, even if they feel disconnected from God in some way, they would fundamentally know God is good and God loves me. How do you know that? That is a gospel thing. That is a Jesus thing. No other country, no other religion in the history of the world preached that God loves you and God is for you. Think of all Greek mythology. It's Thor's and Zeus's, and if you mess up, lightning is coming from the sky. It wasn't until Jesus Christ came that we knew and understood a God that loves us and cares and gave himself for us. If you're thankful to live in America, can you just put your hands together? The very people that say our nation is going to hell have a Christian mindset and don't even know that the nation they live in has shaped their understanding toward God in more ways than they know. It's a blessing to live in a a place that believes God loves you and He's for you. Because that's a Christian thing. That's a Jesus thing. No one else believes that but us. 
And so the story being impactful is impactful because it's true. It represents the heart of Jesus. We know this in theory, right? That Jesus, yeah, I guess he loves us and I guess he does good in our lives. But I need you to understand more than that. This story didn't just pop out of thin air. This story was given in response to a problem. And I want to read this problem to you. It's found in Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 3. And this is how it starts. It says this, the tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to hear Jesus teach. Now, don't you love that the Bible authors called out tax collectors by name? Apparently, tax collectors have never been popular. Amen. (laughs) Uh, If you are one, I'm sorry. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to hear Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. (gasps) And so Jesus told them this story. And it is the very story we just read. If a man has a hundred sheep, and one of them gets lost. Will, what will he, will he not go find it? Will he not leave the 99 and go find the one? In this story, there are three types of people. And I want to look at three types of people. And I hope we can shape our perspective and even our understanding of these three types of people and, and what they mean to the story. And so I want, to, I want to give you three things today. And I want you to ask the question, Ask the question, which one of these do I fit into, and how should this impact the way that I live my life? Because I think we're all going to find ourselves in this story somewhere, and all of us should be motivated to move because of the story that Jesus is telling us. And the first group I want you to look at, and you can just write this down, number one, I want you to look at Luke 15, one people. Luke 15, one people. It said, that, it said that tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to hear Jesus teach. Who were these people? These were people, A, that God loved, B, that were separated from him. These were people that were lost, people that were broken, people that might not have been connected to God and what he was doing, but they were hungry for God and hungry for help and hungry for an understanding of God. You know what I love about Jesus? Jesus never compromised who he was, and yet he attracted all kinds of people to his life. It wasn't just the high, it was the low. It wasn't just the righteous, it was the unrighteous. It wasn't just the well, it was the sick that were attracted to Jesus. Jesus never compromised who he was, and yet who he was didn't repel anybody, except maybe crusty religious people. Come on, somebody. And here, let me say it this way. It was the long shots that seemed to be attracted to Jesus. It was the long shots. It was the people nobody expected to to be. It was the people Jesus seemed to recruit and attract. They were the ones nobody expected him to recruit. The places he was having dinner was the place nobody expected him to have dinner. And when I look in my own life, I often ask myself, who's the long shot in my life? If you don't know who that is, you're probably the long shot. We've all, we all know a long shot, somebody that's far from God, 
Somebody that you'd look at them and go, well, if that person, if that person gets it right with Jesus, that'll be a God thing. Can I just tell you, I was the long shot in my family. And I'm so thankful that Jesus is the God of the long shot. That he's the God that loves the long shot. That he's the one that never gives up on those that are far from him. He's the God that leaves the 99 to find and embrace the one that is far from God, far from help, far from hope. I love this. And I love that this represents the heart of the church and it represents the heart of our church. That we are a church that cares about the long shots. We're a church that prays for the long shots, that prepares for the long shots. I met a guy after the first service today that that left our service last week, and he came back to our service this week, and in our first service, he raised his hand and prayed a prayer to give his life to Jesus Christ. Probably in his 30s, tall guy, well-dressed, and he grabbed me after service with tears in his eyes, and he shook my hand, and he said, Pastor, I'm a long shot. I'm a long shot. And I told him, I said, man, you're in the right place. I'm so glad you are here. This is a church that loves the long shot. And he found Jesus. Let me share a couple stories with you. I got I to get a couple stories into you. Matter of fact, matter of fact, um, just at our last baptism, well, maybe a couple baptisms ago, we baptized a guy, absolutely amazing, far from God, started being brought in to the church. Somebody brought him to church, and he heard the gospel of Jesus preached to him in a way that resonated with his heart, and he got baptized. Matter of fact, his name is Ryan, and this is Ryan, not the guy with hair, the guy without hair. This is Ryan right after his baptism, and Ryan has Max Hell tattooed on his forehead. Max Hell. And he doesn't even have any hair to hide it. Come on, somebody. Anybody with a tattoo and you're like, I kind of wish I didn't get that tattoo, all right? How'd you like to be Ryan, right? So we asked Ryan, we said, Ryan, why did you get Max Hell tattooed on your forehead? And he said, he said, guys, because I lived for hell to the max. But how many know, I don't care how far you've gone, how hardcore you are, one experience with Jesus can change any life around. Ryan met Jesus. Ryan has been transformed by Jesus. Ryan got baptized. Ryan's involved in the church. I told Ryan, you need to get this crossed out and you need to go max heaven, brother. He goes, nah, I'm going to get it lasered off. So he's getting it lasered off. But Ryan went from max hell to max heaven. Come on, somebody. And he did it in a month. Can't God do it in your life? We serve the God of the long shot. Um, Matter of fact, um, I was preaching at our Boise campus a couple of months ago, our Boise location. And, And I'm getting ready to preach. Service is starting. And Pastor Nathan is walking down the hallway and he said, uh, in Boise, we have this beautiful foyer, this beautiful lobby area. And then the first door on the hallway is like double doors into a kitchen. And so he's heading down the hallway to get into the auditorium. And he notices the kitchen door is cracked a little bit. And so he walks by and, you know, he's, he, he looks in there and he sees one of our pastors, one of our ministers, his name is Sam Olson. He sees Sam Olson in there and he's washing some dude's feet in one of our serving bowls at the church. He says, one of those moments where I was like, I don't think I should even go in there. I don't know what's, I don't know if I want to know what's happening in there, you know. But he pops in, he pops in. He goes, what's, what's going on in here? 
And Sam looks at Pastor Nathan and says, we found this man passed out in our parking lot, and his feet are absolutely destroyed. And we just thought that before he came into worship, it would be a good idea if we helped him get clean. I'm worshiping, and in the second row, this man right here comes in and begins worshiping Jesus. This was the man that just a few minutes before had had his feet washed by some of the leaders in our church. And I just thought how much different would that experience had been had he been met with judgment and ridicule and what are you doing polluting our parking lot? Go find somewhere else to be passed out. He went, come on, from a zero to a hero in one moment because the church loved him. It's so special. Listen, if you're going to be a Christian that is used by God to love and impact the world around you, you better get used to uncomfortable situations. If we're going to be a church that continues to reach broken, hurting people, we better get used to uncomfortable situations. I love this. I was walking around our parking lot, and I picked up four, five or six different cans from our parking lot. And all of them are alcohol cans. All of them. And I'm going, who is crushing a tall boy right before service? And like not even trying to hide it. Like, like literally pounds it, crushes it, and just like boom, drops it. And I'm finding not one, but like two of them right next to each other. I'm like, listen, this is either a, a super epic husband and wife combo happening right here. Or this is some dude that's like, I don't know. I'm going to have to do two of these to get through pastor's sermon today. I don't know. But listen, I'm walking through the parking lot, and I'm like, tall boy, tall boy, beer bottle. There's like these little round, fancy, like, like flavored wine things now popping up all over the landscape. And I thought about this. I'm like, why, why are we not a church that's like, it's like a Sprite can or something? Like, what's wrong with Coke Zero, you know? Like, and I had this thought. I had this thought that I am so glad that I pastor a church that on Monday before our staff meeting that I get to go through our parking lot and pick up alcohol cans from our parking lot because it means we're not just reaching people that God has already finished a work in. It means we're reaching people that God still needs to do a work in. It means there's some, Mark, it means there's some Luke 15, one people in the church. I hope we always, listen, nobody seems to smoke anymore. I don't know if it's everybody's vaping now, you know, it's, it's, but now it's the beer cans in the parking lot. And I just stopped and I prayed, oh God, may we never stop having beer cans in the parking lot. Would you keep bringing people that need to pound a few tall boys before they go into church? And may they come in and meet Jesus and go out and not have to pound the tall boys anymore. I want to be a church to reach people. I'm so glad that that's who we are because that's who Jesus is. 
If you're going to reach people, you have to be uncomfortable or you have to be comfortable in uncomfortable situations. And I love this. I love this about our church. I love this about you individually as people. You have a concern for the lost. Jesus has a burden for those that are far from God. I always want to be a church that loves high and low. We're not just a church that loves low, but we're a church that loves high. And we're not just a church that loves high, we love low. Jesus had room in his life for the high and the low. The hurting and the well. They all had access to him and his heart. I want to be a church that embraces the successful and the destitute. May every person, regardless of where you are in life, find Jesus, find help, find hope, find home in the house of God. I had two meetings. Well, I had a bunch of meetings this week. Um, But two of my meetings this week were epic. Two of my meetings this week were for people really, with with people really, really struggling. And they were some of the most profanity-laced discussions that I've had in a long time. I mean, I'm on the phone with this one guy, and it's just like, you know, the whole thing. It's just one long thing. And and I just, I just thought, may, may I never, may I never get to the place that I can't be in an uncomfortable situation for the sake of someone who is hurting and far from God. It's so funny that Jesus often had these people around him. It's the point. It's the mission of Christ to bring help to a hurting world. I don't want hurting people to stay away from the church. I want them to come. I don't want want the hurting people you know in your life for you to tell them, well, stay away from the church. I want you to bring them to the church. I want you to bring them to a place where they can hear there's a God that loves them. Bring them to a place where they can sense the presence of God moving in their life and in their heart. I want them to find Jesus. I want them to find help. I want them to find hope. Mark 2, 15 through 17 is another story where Jesus, he really says this is the point. Actually, in this time, he's having dinner at a tax collector's home, and he says later uh, in Mark Uh, Chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as a dinner guest, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. Listen, there were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. Woo! Let that soak in for just a second. There were many people of this kind amongst Jesus' followers. Oh, can I just tell you, it's the same today. There are still many people of this kind that are following. They're still at a distance. God's still doing a work in them. But can I just tell you, there are many people of this kind that are followers of Jesus. People looking for help, looking for hope, looking for a way out. People that have exhausted every natural thing, every worldly thing, and are saying, I've heard it. I've heard that Jesus loves the broken. I've heard that Jesus sets free the addict. I've heard that Jesus loves those who were once close and have slidden away. And I still believe if I can get to Jesus, then I can get my life back on track. There are still people like that. And may the church embrace them. 
May we pray for them. May we love them. May the house of God always be a place that no matter what you've been through and where you are, you can find a people that will love you and a God that can set you free. Can I get an amen? This is, this is good news. But when the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Oh, listen to this. I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Very important words. I have come. Friends, heaven came for the hurting. Heaven came from the separated. Heaven came for those that were lost and bound and far from God. And can I just tell you, heaven still comes for those that are hurting. Heaven still comes for those that are helpless. Heaven still comes for those that are separated from Jesus. Heaven is still moving. Heaven is still working. Heaven is still calling the people of God to rise up and be messengers of help and hope in Jesus' name. Aren't you thankful for that? I want you to write this down. The second group of people are Luke 15, 2 people. Luke 15, 2 people. Luke 15, 2 people, um, this is what the Scripture says. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. The audacity. These were people that thought it was wrong to be around broken and hurting people. What makes it worse is that these were the religious leaders that were so upset about it. I mean, it'd be rough if it was just like, just God-honoring people, but these were the leaders of the church that day. This was their general mindset and attitude is that those that followed God should be separate and shun those who don't. That there was insiders and there was outsiders. The problem is, is we can look at this and go, man, those rascal of the Pharisees, rough. But I think if we were honest, anybody who's followed Jesus for more than six months will attest to you that there is a gravitational pull toward isolated Christianity in every one of our hearts. You know, King David, he prayed this prayer in the Psalms. He prayed, Lord, help me never to forget the hole that you dug me out of. Friends, if you serve God and follow him with all your heart, your life will change radically. God will bless you. God will restore you. God will lift up your life. He will lift you and heal you and lift you into a place of influence and impact in this world. God loves you. He will meet you wherever you are, but he will not leave you where he found you. The Bible says the devil comes to steal, kill, destroy, but Jesus came that you might have life and life more abundantly. I'm here to tell you we serve a God that wants to lift you into an abundant life. He can break you out of all the stuff your family's dealt with, break you out of wherever you're in, lift you out of whatever mess you're in, restore your life, heal your marriage, bridge the gap. We serve a powerful God that can lift you out and lift you up and heal your life and make you strong. But when he does, don't forget 
where he found you. Because we live in a world that makes it so easy to forget where we came from. Matter of fact, social media hasn't made this any easier because social media knows you're only going to stay on there if you like what you read. And so there are powerful algorithms that just feed you the same stuff you already think and you already know and you already like. You're not going to run into people that don't think like you, act like you, vote like you, talk like you. You're going to only be influenced by the things that are like you think and you act, and you talk, and you vote, and you look. And, what's, and then we, we, we make friends that are in a different place in life, and before we know it, we go to work, and we don't have anyone in our life anymore that's not like us. And we go home, and because God has blessed us, we're all like each other, and we go to church, and we're all like each other, and we go online and it only feeds us people that are like us. And before we know it, our lives become more and more and more isolated to the point where God's done a great work in us and we now no longer have an outlet for it. This is the danger of isolated spirituality. That the treasure God gives you would have no outlet to flow. I'm convinced that the devil doesn't care if you're blessed as long as it doesn't make it past you. The devil doesn't care if you have a testimony as long as it doesn't impact anyone else. And Jesus never let this be. Jesus stayed in a position where what was in him got into the lives of other people. And Jesus warned us against people who would distract from the mission of God. Matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, Jesus said, Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but they are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way that they act. Now listen, I'm a Montana boy that was raised in Idaho. I've been around here long enough to remember when we used to shoot ducks in what was a field behind this church building. When I was six years old, I'd run around here with a blowgun trying to kill ducks during hunting season. I'm just, I'm not, am I in Seattle or am I in Idaho? Okay, just, just checking. Y'all hunters in the room? Anybody grow up hunting? Okay, all right, I'm sorry. I'll keep that to first service, I guess, my Lord. I mean, I used to do nature walks with binoculars in the fields behind the church building. I remember when the only thing you had to worry about was a farmer coming out and shooting you with salt rock if you hunted his field. Now it's just all houses, you know? But I remember when it was all sheep and cows. Matter of fact, I had this little reminder uh, a couple years ago. I did Pastor Brandon's, uh, Pastor Brandon's wedding when him and Cassidy got married. And, uh, and they, were, they rented this barn thing in Fruitland. And I had to drive out to Fruitland. And I get into Fruitland. I hadn't been there in a long time. I get into Fruitland. And I'm like, man. This is real Idaho out here. Like, it's just animals everywhere. And, uh, and so I'm driving down this little back road to where this farm is, and I get, into this, I get onto this lane, and there's just sheep everywhere. They're just, like, blocking the road, you know? And I couldn't get past them, and I'm honking, and I'm trying to get them to move. And no matter how hard I honked at these sheep, like, they don't, they, they don't want to go. They're just like, Meh. you know, they just like get closer together. And I realized something about sheep. I realized something that when sheep are under threat, they really don't do what they're supposed to do. And they don't do what is best for them. They actually do the opposite. As a matter of fact, 
Wolves love sheep. Not because it's good for the sheep, but because it's good for them. And sheep don't react well around wolves. They don't react well around any threats, any threats at all. And here's what I realized as I'm honking and honking and they're grouping and grouping. I realized something about sheep. Sheep have a tendency under threat to just force themselves together even tighter. And I thought, you know, the same is true for God's people. If we don't live victorious, if we don't have a victorious mindset, if we don't believe that the church is God's bride and God's body and that it's powerful and that we're called to reach the world and not just called to hide away in a hole until Jesus comes back for us, but we really believe that the Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of us and that Jesus gave us the mission to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Unless we really get a hold of that and live a victorious life that no no leader, no government, no threat, no devil in hell is going to pressure the church into being ineffective. We will live strong. We will be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. We will do what God's called us to do. We will be salt and light. We will be messengers of this good news. And we will resist any who would try to stop us. Jesus said wolves will come. Wolves will cause the, the sheep to group together and not want to go into green pastures. I, I actually recently heard this from a buddy of mine. He said that sheep will actually not reproduce well under stress. They won't multiply when there is attack and pressure and they're not safe. So wolves come to diminish the sheep. Can I just tell you, that's what wolves come to diminish you as a Christian, and wolves come to diminish the church. To keep you from going, to keep you from multiplying, from getting what God did in you out to the world around you. Isn't it interesting that the presence of wolves keeps us from doing what God's called us to do? You know, I remember my first year of pastoring, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I still feel like that a lot of the time. Wish there was a guidebook for the last few years. Um, but I remember my first year pastoring a church. We'd started CFC North Campus in North Nampa. And we were in the Hispanic Cultural Center. And I remember I was just happy people showed up. Like, I'm just being real with you. Can I just be real? I'm like, that was the goal. Just people come, okay? Like, that was it. It was like, what are we doing here if nobody shows up? And, and then people started to come. And I remember, oh, how cool is this? And then it was even better. People started accepting Jesus, making Jesus Lord of their life. And I'll never forget, there was this guy that came up to me, this old timer. And, uh, you know, we were doing the best we could. We had built our services, you know, try to be conducive of people that don't know Jesus coming into our gatherings and hearing about Jesus and trusting in Jesus. And so I remember this old timer came into the church and he said, he said, hey, this music is terrible. He goes, back in my day, the music was right. And he looked me right in my eyes and he said, you know, it's people like me that have all the money here. And you'd be wise to do things the way I want to do them. Now, if you know me at all, 
You should have seen me all those years ago. I was even less sanctified then. (laughs) And I kindly, mostly kindly, invited this man to find another church. I said, sir, you're going to hate it here. And you're really going to hate me. (laughs) Well, why is that? I said, because we're more about purpose and people than preference. And you only care about you. So you might as well just find a church that's all about you. If you can find one, find one that's all about you. Because in the meantime, we're going to do what reaches people. We're going to do what glorifies God. We're going to do what helps people find Jesus to the best of our ability. And it's so funny. If you're going to be a Christian that reaches people, you're going to get some flack for it. If we're going to be a church that reaches people, we're going to catch a little flack. Listen, I've experienced threats. I've experienced death threats. I've experienced attacks, vandalism, lies, betrayal, division, people outright inspired by the pit of hell. But can I just encourage you that Jesus is going to build his church no matter what comes against it. He said, the gates of hell will not prevail for I will build my church. And I just want to encourage you as a believer that is called to build the kingdom, it doesn't matter what comes against you, nothing is going to prevail against your life if you posture yourself to build the church. What will a wolf look like in your life? Let me give you a couple things so you can identify what a wolf looks like in your life. Number one, here's what a wolf will look like. A wolf will look like a person that distracts you from God's call. There's a message to all the single people in the house right now. If you dated that person and they tried to point you away from God's will and God's best, that ain't a date, that's a wolf. Come on, somebody. A wolf will take you away from, distract you from God's call. A wolf will look like a person that separates you from what God has called you to be and do. A wolf will look like a person who brings or speaks death over the call of God on your life. No one sent from God will ever speak death over your destiny and over the call of God that is upon your life. A wolf will look like a person that comes to impact you in a way that robs your peace and robs your joy. Wolves are tricky too. They'll attack and then they'll retreat. And I found that that wolves are like that in the spiritual too. They'll attack you just enough and then back away just quick enough you don't block their number. Just quick enough, you don't block them online. Just where you're like, ooh, I almost blocked you. You got this close. But then guess what? Three weeks later, they're back again. Robbing your peace, robbing your joy. That's a wolf. A wolf comes to rob from you what God has given you. To rob from you your purpose. Rob from you your priority. Rob from you the peace of God in your life. Friends, we are not to tolerate wolves. Not in the church. Not as the church. Not in our lives personally. Listen, we love everyone. But don't tolerate the things in your life. The people that come to rob you of what God has called you to do. Set a boundary. Push them out. Be firm and clear. And move forward with what God has called you to be and do. Don't let a wolf convince you to give up. Don't let a wolf convince you. You're done. God's got a call upon your life. You are blessed if you follow God. You are with God. And He's got a great plan for you. Don't let a wolf keep you from what God is doing in your life. Listen, the enemy will send wolves to distract, lies to convince us that what what God is doing in our life is just about us. 
But friends, heaven comes for the hurting and the separated. And I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, you would give all of us a heart for the hurting. That, God, we wouldn't tolerate wolves in our life, wolves in the church, but, God, we would have a heart for the long shot, those that are broken, those that are needy, those that are far from God. That, Lord, we would have a heart that beats for them to rescue, to let them know the love that saved us and healed us, that we wouldn't keep it to ourselves, but we would go into all the world until our whole world knows what God has done in us in Jesus' name. That's my prayer. What would happen in the church if we would all get a hold of that spirit that says, I'm going to reach Luke 15.1 people. I'm not going to keep what God has done in me to myself, but I'm going to let the whole world know. I don't want us to, I don't want us to be in, listen, I want us to bring our broken, hurting friends to church. I want us to bring the long shots into the house of God. I want us to pray for them, love them, believe in them. Show them that there is a God through the way that we live our lives. My final thought, I'm going to get you guys out of here, is Luke 15, 4 people. Luke 15, 4 people. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 in the wilderness and go search for the one that's lost? See, <clears throat> this is the person Jesus introduced to answer the question that he was proposing to these people. It was a person that would leave 99 to find one that was in trouble. More than that, though, Jesus embodied this story. He didn't just tell the story. He lived this story as an example. As a matter of fact, he gave it almost as a mission statement. Luke 19.10, Jesus says this, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Seek and save. Everybody say, seek, seek. and save. He came to go after, to seek out, and to save that which was lost. Then Jesus hits us with what might be one of the most important verses in the whole Bible. He gives us Luke 15, 7. We read it before, but I want to read it one more time and just remind you of what God's doing and what he's saying. He says, in the same way, there is more joy in heaven, more joy over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Jesus is saying there is joy in heaven. There's a party in heaven. There's celebration in heaven. When one lost person gets reconciled back to God, when one lost person comes back to Jesus and gets restored into relationship with the Father, there's more joy in heaven than over 99 who weren't lost. This is a mission verse. Listen, let me ask you a question. How do you know when heaven has come to your heart? Let me answer it. When we get more joy out of people experiencing life change in Jesus than anything else. If heaven has more joy, then I want my life to have more joy. Then I want to have more joy. More than my preference, I want it to be about people being restored back to relationship with their Father in heaven. When we get more joy out of people's lives being changed, people being uh, restored back to God, then we know heaven's come to our heart. Let me brag on a couple in our church. Um, after I was elected to be the senior pastor of CFC, um, we started navigating through some change. And I remember I opened my office up for people that wanted to come talk to me about it. And uh, I had this couple sit down, one of my favorite couples in the entire world, Rick and Linda Dittenberg. And they've been a part of church, or CFC for like 100 years. I'm almost, I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating a little, but... 
Not by much. They have seen every iteration of Christian Faith Center. Every iteration. And I'll never forget, they sat down in my office and, uh, and Linda starts to talk and she says, Pastor Jordan, we don't really resonate with the music in the church anymore. We thought that back in the day, the music was, it spoke to our hearts a little better. And I was thinking, oh boy, here it comes. And then she gets misty in her eyes and she said, but pastor, it brings us so much joy to see our church reach a new generation. And I started to cry at that point. Why? Because that's a Luke 15, four person that will set their own preference aside, that's willing to even be uncomfortable for the sake of those that are far from God. And I walked away from that and I thought, Lord, let me be like Linda when I'm her age. Let me be like Linda. Give me a heart that would say, whatever it takes, whatever the cost, I'll give financially what I need to give. I'll listen to whatever kind of weird techno music they're singing by the time I'm 80 years old. I don't really care whatever it is. As long as it glorifies Jesus and the next generation is being reached and people are coming to faith in Christ and God is transforming lives and the church is growing and moving forward. I want to be a Luke 15 4 person. I want my life to reach people far from God. I want to be on the mission with Jesus. I want to be an incarnational Christian that says, I'm not just going to believe it and sing about it. I'm going to live it in a way that impacts the world around me. So what does this look like? What does this look like? Let me just give you a couple things I'm going to pray for you. Jesus went to people separated from God. Who are we going to? Who are we going to? Who's the long shot in your life? invite them to church. We don't print these cards in the foyer to look good. Although they do look good. We print them so you can invite your friends into a place that will love them amongst the people that believe in them. In the congregation of a God that's for them. Invite. Who are we inviting? Who's the long shot? Who's the long shot? There was a long shot in our first service. I told you about already. He accepted Jesus. He said, Pastor, I'm a long shot. Thank you. Jesus engaged in everyday life with people that were separated from God. Who are we connecting with? Who are we connecting with? Jesus ate with people who were separate from God. Who are you eating with? Who are you eating with? Jesus invited people that were separated from God. Who are you inviting? Jesus prayed for people that were separated from God. When's the last time we prayed for someone? I believe the Lord is working powerfully to stir a fresh passion for what he's passionate about in his church. I believe that. I believe that not just for our church, but I believe that for the church. That in every church in the church, this, God is stirring something in his people. He's stirring a passion. God, break our hearts for what breaks your heart. I'll, I'll, I'll end with this one story and then I'm asking you to stand. Uh, a few months back, I was... Uh, doing one of our first uh, first step classes, which we have one coming up, just helps you get to know the church and what our vision is and all that. And this this little lady, sweet lady, sits through our first step. She's been coming for a few weeks. Goes to first step, and in first step we talk about um, our core values. 
And what are we, what is our values here at CFC? And our, our first core value, our number one value is that we are redemption obsessed. We are obsessed with seeing redemption come to every area of people's lives. And I'll never forget this lady came up and she said, pastor. Yep. She goes, you know, I love the church. I said, that's awesome. She said, but I disagree with you about something. I said, okay. Praise God. What is it? And she said, I don't believe, she said, I think you're wrong. I don't believe Jesus is obsessed with redemption. And I said, oh, okay. I said, why do you think that? Well, she goes, I don't think Jesus is obsessed with anything. And I don't think Jesus is obsessed with redemption. And I think you're wrong and this church is wrong about it. And so here's what I invited her to do. I said, ma'am, um, I want you to go and I want you to read about what we call the Passion Week. Because the Jesus I find in the Bible was a Jesus that was born into an uncomfortable situation, obscurity in a barn to poor unwed parents. A Jesus that would grow up in obscurity and he would be a Jesus that would be misunderstood, betrayed, beaten. They would falsely try him, lie about him, They would arrest him. They would rip the beard from his face. They would spit on him and mock him. They would fashion a crown of thorns and lay it on his head and smash it down till blood ran from his brow. Then they would whip him till he was unrecognizable. And it didn't stop there. They would put a cross, a Roman cross, on his back and force him to carry it up a hill to a place called Golgotha, the place of the skull, where the Romans would humiliate and embarrass and torture those who were the worst criminals. Jesus did nothing, and yet he would collapse under the weight of that cross to a point that another man would have to help him bear that thing up the mountain where they would nail him to a cross. And some of the very last words that would leave his mouth would be this, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You tell me that we don't serve a God obsessed with redemption. Because that's all I see is a Jesus that would bleed and die and lay his preference down so that people far from God could find their way back to the Father in heaven that loves them. Aren't you thankful for our Jesus? That He's obsessed with redemption? That He gave everything to make a way for you to have a relationship with the Father? Would you stand to your feet all across the auditorium today? I want to pray for you today, my friends. And I want you to know something. That same Jesus that lived and died for me and you desperately wants you to come back home. If you're not where you need to be with Jesus today, listen to me, that can end today. One prayer, one moment of posturing your heart in faith. The Bible said if you would believe, 
if you would believe that what Jesus did was for you and you would receive the salvation and the forgiveness that he has for you, then you, my friend, would be brought into the family of God and the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead would come make his home in you and begin raising to life every part of who you are. I am a living testimony that if you will throw everything you are on the person of Jesus Christ, not only will you find that he is real, you will find that he is powerful and that he is loving and that he will forgive you and he will restore you and he will begin putting your life back together in a way that you could never imagine to where your future will be greater than your past and you will spend eternity with God in heaven. This is the message of the gospel. Listen, you don't have to be good your way into heaven. No matter where you've been, how far you've gone, you can choose Jesus today. Today. Not tomorrow, today. And I want to pray for you. And I want to lead you in a prayer. It would be the great honor of my life to lead you in a prayer today to come back into relationship with the Father through faith in the Son. Because Jesus didn't just die, he died for you. He didn't just pay a price, he paid a price for you so that you could be made right with God. You could be a part of the family. And today is your day if you're not where you need to be with Jesus. So I'm just gonna count to three. And I'm believing right now the Spirit of God is already at work in the hearts of people. I don't have to twist, manipulate, nothing. God's speaking to you. And you know if that's you. You feel it in your heart. You know God is doing something and drawing you. Don't resist the call of God. Choose Him. Turn to Him while He might be found. He's calling you home today. One, two, three. I want you to raise your hands all across the room. Come on, raise them high if that's you today. Raise them high if that's you. Say, Pastor, I'm choosing Jesus. I need to trust Him. I need to pray that prayer today. Make Jesus Lord of my life. I see your hands. Can we just pray this prayer everywhere? Just say, Jesus, right now, I come to you just the way I am. My good and my bad my highs and my lows, my success and my sin, I lay it all at your feet. Jesus, I believe that you are who the Bible says you are, that you died like the Bible said you died, and you did it for me. But Jesus, you didn't stay dead. You rose from the dead, and I believe you're alive today. So Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my God and my King. Give me a new heart and a new start. Transform my life. Break off my my troubles and give me your victory. Help me to be a person that is a light and life to others far from God. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we just put our hands together for these folks? We're so proud of you. Listen, our prayer team's going to come. These next two minutes, we're going to sing a chorus. And we're just going to worship Jesus. And if you need prayer for anything at all, our team is here. We want to pray for you. We love you. Jesus loves you. Let's lift up our praise. Can we do that? Let's just sing this out. If you need prayer for anything, let us partner with you. Come on, sing it out.